today on Vitality Radio. For those of you unfamiliar with my other podcast, it's called the Dearly Discarded Podcast. I interview uh, members of the vaccine-injured community, people who chose to take the COVID vaccine, whether they were compelled uh, by a mandate or pressure from family or just simply thought it was the right thing to do, that then ended up with injuries. I've been doing the podcast for about six seven months now, something like that, and I've interviewed roughly 20 people. Today's episode of Vitality Radio is actually an episode of the Dearly Discarded podcast, where I interview Jennifer Sharp, who's become a friend of mine, but I didn't know who she was at all until April of last year, or of this year, uh, when I met her at a uh, mandate, an anti-mandate rally in Los Angeles. Uh, Jen is a filmmaker, and she has produced a documentary called Anecdotals, Anecdotals with an S. It's anecdotalsmovie.com is how you can watch the show that we're about to talk about. And I interview her about her story, why she decided to do the film. And I intended to just put this on the Dearly Discarded podcast. But after I was done with the interview, I realized that there's so much value in this movie and it needs to be out there and my audience on Vitality Radio is much much larger than my audience on the Dearly Discarded podcast. So I decided to go ahead and share this uh, interview here. I hope you find it as entertaining and educational as I did. Um none of this Dearly Discarded stuff is entertaining. It's probably the wrong word, but it's informative and it's certainly necessary. Uh, if uh, that's not a topic you're interested in and you choose to just stick with kind of my normal Vitality Radio stuff, that's just fine as well. But I did want to share it with a wider audience. I hope that you will indulge me and uh, give it a listen. It's a relatively short show and uh, I think has a ton of important information. So here is that interview with Jennifer Sharp from the Dearly Discarded Podcast. Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. My name is Jared St. Clair, and I'm honored today to have a guest on the show a little bit different than previous shows because I already know this one. Um, usually I'm meeting my guests for the first time when I record their interviews, but today I get to talk to uh, someone who's become an old friend over the last uh, oh, 10 months or so, whatever it was when we met. Jennifer Sharp is with me. Jennifer, welcome to Dearly Discarded Podcast. Hello. Thank you. It's great to be here. Very exciting. So you and I met uh, back at the Defeat the Mandates rally in Los Angeles uh, near where you live. Uh, I don't remember. When was that? Was that back in February? Uh, April. Was it April? April? Okay. For April some reason, all right. So <laughs> 10 months ago ish uh, yeah. and or eight months ago ish. Yeah, I didn't do math. I was back to February <laughs> again. Uh, we met at that rally. We were with uh, the group React 19 that uh, helps me put this show together on a weekly basis. And the idea was that we wanted to uh, let the powers that be know that we don't want mandates uh, when it comes to our medical freedom and what we put into our bodies. And, of course, you came about this uh, feeling of uh, anti-mandates in a little bit different way than I did. Uh, after you experienced problems with your vaccine for COVID. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about uh, your vaccine experience. Okay, so um, great. It was It's good to be here. It's, it's awesome when something comes into fruition. And I think when I met you, you were just starting Dearly Discarded. Mm -hmm. and yeah, I hadn't I ever was, aired an episode yet. Yeah, it hadn't even aired. So you were talking, and I had just went to the uh, mandate rally to, to film, and I was 
filming my, I had just like a month into making this movie. And uh, so it's always really nice to like come full circle to like, hey, look, you've been doing all these great episodes. And um, so, and my movie's done, it's done. So, but yeah, how did I get to the the rally and the movie and my story? So I've been watching your podcast and, and I love, you know, I don't love, the love is a bad word. <laughs> I love that you're doing it, how's that? But seeing these stories and um, there is a segment of us that are injured that aren't as horribly injured as the ones that, you know, that were, that we are putting a highlight on, which is good because horribly injured people draw more sympathy on, you know, unfortunately. So, I mean, I, that's how it is, but there are injuries that a lot of us just look really normal and yet there's buzzing and there's tingling. And that's more what happened to me. Like I never looked weird. Um, my, even though I thought I did, I thought I had Bell's palsy because my, the left side of my face was numb for like three weeks and it was, it felt like it was drooping, but when I looked in the mirror, I looked fine. So that was a good, I mean, that was the weird part about it all is I just wasn't sure, um, what was going on. And I couldn't just be like, oh, look, I'm shaking or, oh, look, this is happening or I ended up in the hospital, but it's like weird things are happening with my body. Um, the left side of my face was numb for three weeks and then off and on. I chipped my tooth because I couldn't feel my gum. Um, I My knee and my ankle all on my left side were swollen. And this was all like the day after, the, the night of my shot. Um, I went to bed and I was sweating the bed. I drenched it, I drenched it um, with sweat only on the left side. So my right side was totally cool and dry and my left side was like overheating and sweating. Um, I had a headache on the left side, just all this weird stuff. Um, and then that pretty much went on until now, which is almost two years later or close to it. And now I'm down to just buzzing. Um, I wake up every morning and my left calf is numb for the first half hour. And it's a slow numb that becomes a sleep, like it's pins and needles, like it's asleep. Um, but it happens every morning and it's the first hour. And that's like the worst of it for me. And then throughout the day, I'll feel like a sharp needle pain in my palm or a sharp needle pain in my face. Like I just get these pinpricks that just happen. Um, so that's where I am right now. So it's still weird things that happen. And I'm like, I feel like I'm lucky because I don't have, you know, something that's debilitated me. But at the same time, I can't help but just be nervous. Like, does this mean I'm going to get Parkinson's or multiple sclerosis or some kind of neurological thing. Is that going to, maybe I would have gotten it 20 years from now. Now I'll get it eight, you know, five years from now. Like what's going on with my nerves. I don't know. And there's definitely something going on and it's weird. Um, and so it's, I, I struggle with it because you know, there's levels of vaccine injury. And there are a lot of us, I've talked to people who is like, we look fine and it makes us harder for you to believe us, but there's just weird stuff that's been going on with my body since the shot. And I feel it and it's neurological and it's a little, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting. Cause when we talked before, you told me that, uh, you even, you, there was so much confusion going on about what had happened after the first shot that you even considered doing a second shot. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that and what was going on in your head then. Yeah, that's the crazy thing because it was March 5th. So it was early and it, and it was, you know, and I, I wasn't gung-ho about the shot. I had listened to Geert Vanderhertz. I know that's not really how you say his name, but his one and a half hour video about spike protein and mRNA before I got my shot. And I was like, hmm, that makes sense, you know, because all that makes sense. So I went with skepticism, but I also was like, you know, this seems to be the only option. I'm going to trust it. So I went, I got it. And then I booked a trip to Mexico for the, like the couple days after my second shot, 
my if I had had my second shot. So I'd be like good to go. And um, but then yeah, and two weeks after my first shot, I was still having things, but it started to subside a little. Uh, like it was obviously going down. So I was like, okay, maybe this is just a vaccine reaction. Like maybe it's okay to get the second shot. I was really confused. I didn't know what to do. I I called, I contacted the NIH and I got a hold of somebody and they were like, um, we can't advise you. And I said, look, if I've had symptoms, I probably shouldn't take the second one, right? And they replied back, we cannot advise you. We suggest you talk with your primary care doctor. And that was all they said. And I don't have insurance and I don't have a doctor. And well, so it's, yeah. That's a silly reaction anyway. The primary care doctor knows a whole heck of a lot less of than the National Institutes of Health, right? Yes, that's such a good point too. Cause I, I've, you know, as you work with primary care doctors, you realize they, yeah, they don't know, like if anything, talk to a neurologist or, I mean, but primary, that's their way of like pushing it off. And everybody, everything's like, talk to your primary care doctor, um, get an exemption from your primary care doctor. And it's like, everything's put on the primary care doctor who's really just there to do evaluations and kind of send you off. Um, yeah, so that was really frustrating. So then I was, I had started, I had found a support group online my support group was like all doctors and nurses for the most part, because it was all people who in the medical industry had gotten it early. They didn't know what was happening, but we were all like, should we get our second shot? There was actually a discussion and it was interesting. And you'd think like, why would you get the second shot? But it's like, for the, like for me, who it was obviously going, getting better. I thought that I was just like, well, maybe I should just finish this. Like I've already done it halfway. I want to be immune to COVID. If this is the solution, maybe I should just take a chance and do it. Like this wasn't that bad, I guess it's weird. I'm numb, but like, I don't, yeah, it was, it's wild. I mean, in the end of the day, I didn't, um, it started to come back too. by the time I got to week three, my face was numb again. And I was like, okay, wait, if my face is numb, why would I get the second shot? <laughs> it, it seems like common sense, but it's not because we were in a state of like emergency and panic and there aren't reactions. And you're kind of trying to trust that like, it's not really going to, and everybody I know was like, oh no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll probably be fine if I take the second shot. Um, but some people did take the second shot in our group and some people didn't. And some people, it went always. Some people ended up in the hospital after their second shot. Some people had no change. Just no answers. Nobody knows anything. There's no answers. There's no consistency. Um, but yeah, I decided, and I'm very happy that I didn't get the second shot. And I went to Mexico with one shot. <laughs> <laughs> and I have friends in Mexico. It was a, a local community, and they were all hugging me, and I was like a little traumatized because I was from LA, and I was not from Salt Lake City, where everything was was more open. We were very scared in LA, so yeah. Well, and as anybody who lived through this pandemic knows fear was the biggest driver of almost everything right and and so the fear of doing it wrong or getting somebody else sick because of a decision you made or whatever uh, created a, a whole lot of the what I would consider to be lack of critical thinking that was happening at that time so I I don't really blame anybody for making whatever decision they made because what was happening at the time was an incredibly big challenge for all of us to try and navigate and figure out what's the best thing to do. Because no matter what you did, someone was telling you you were doing it wrong. Right. 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 So uh, the, the good news, of course, in your case is that for the most part, you're back to normal. Although, as you, you told me, I think before we started, you felt like you're 90, 95 percent. Is that kind of yeah. what you would say? I'm like 90, 95 percent better. So I, I feel lucky. I, if this was the rest of my life, I would be fine. 
it just weird things like, oh, here's the itching that's starting. And suddenly my fingers and palms start itching and yeah, I can live with that. But like I said, what does that mean for later though? When my body weakens and I get older and, you know. Yeah. So there's still that in the background, which I'm sure will always, there'll always be questions as far as that goes for you. So having had that experience, there's, there's two parts to this based on how I've seen it. The people who get injured by the vaccine, the first thing they get to deal with is the injury itself, right? Trying to figure out what the heck it is, what's happening to them, who can help me with it, all of those types of questions. But the second part, and I think the more tragic part, is the uh, aftermath of that, trying to actually find help from someone who knows how or who will even believe you that you were injured in the first place, particularly someone like yourself that looks just like you did prior to the shot. Um, and so tell us a little bit about how that went for you and what led you to make the movie anecdotals. Okay. So yeah, it was, I, since I didn't have health insurance, I was in a rare situation where I could, I was, I had my support group of like thousands of people and everybody's like, my doctor doesn't know. My doctor doesn't believe me. And these are doctors, (laughs) like these are doctors, like, so they, and they can't get help. So I, I quickly realized, and I, I quickly realized I couldn't go to like the public health community center and sit for 12 hours during COVID and have like a, whatever, you know, doctor saw me, understand me. I started paying for alternative health medicine. Like I have, a, I do have a naturopath MD, ND, ND, MD, um, Dr. Corgi, who's in the movie, who was awesome. Like she let me interview, and I wasn't sure if there'd be any doctors that would let me interview them because it's so controversial, but she let me interview her. She's wonderful. I've been seeing her for a while, um, off and on, and I just pay cash, you know, like, so, which I just pay cash, like I have cash to pay. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it's like not there is not insurance related. So I went to her and she was understanding, I went to another doctor that associated with her, there's two doctors kind of in their thing. And they kind of got me on some and they were like, right away, were like, Yeah, I've been seeing this. So they were I've been seeing this. Um, this other doctor that I saw too, who's like, I've been seeing it, but she wouldn't let, she wouldn't write me an exemption. And I actually, um, hadn't talked to Dr. Corgi yet. I was talking to another doctor first, who was like a, also a whole health doctor. And she was like, oh yeah, I've been seeing this. This is so bad. And, um, so that was nice that she did it, but the mainstream doctor is like, nobody knew no one was helping, but even though she agreed with me, she wouldn't give me an exemption. Um, and I had a job coming up and she wouldn't give me an exemption. Um, and she actually called me at home at night because I sent her a scathing email. Like, I won't get this job because of you. You're the only doctor who's ever seen me. So how do I get an exemption from another doctor? Um, this was not Dr. Corgi, who's in my movie. Um, and she ended up calling me at home crying. And she goes, I am so sorry. But like, I guess she didn't want to put anything in writing either anymore. But she was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I know you had a reaction. Don't get the second shot you need to heal, um, but I will not write exemptions. I, it, it's really dangerous. You can get your medical license taken away if you write exemptions, we're in California. And she just said, I, I won't do it. She was like, this is the hardest thing. I've had to make a decision between helping my patients, like having a practice where I can help people or losing my practice and standing up for things. And she's like, I've made the decision that I can do more good helping patients. So I'm helping patients, I'm seeing patients, but I'm not gonna give any exemptions. And then she even said, I won't even, I can't even report that you had an adverse reaction. Like that makes you, so she, and she told me she was crying and she was like, it's a really hard time and I'm sorry. So I couldn't get an exemption. 
so that's why I went to the, you know, there was like, so I started losing work. I couldn't, I'm in Los Angeles, everything's closed. I'm, I'm invited places and I'm not allowed to go because the venues don't let me in. It was wild. It's a wild experience, man. Like you never think that you'll experience like living where you have a, you have a, you don't have the paper that you can't get in. And it was, and nobody cared. You know, that was the thing Like nobody in my life cared. Like my life was very pro-vax, the people in my life and everybody's doing the right thing, get vaccinated. And then I'd be like, do you realize like I can't go to things? And people would stop and pause and be like, oh, that's, I'm sorry for you. Like that's rough. And okay, that doesn't seem right. And then they'd go on with their lives. Um, no one ever invested in the fact that like, hey, you know, this good friend of mine, my sister, my whatever, like is not allowed to, you know, and that was, it was wild and it was just, and so then I started just seeing like the hard headedness of it all. And then I lost jobs. I lost a really good job in January of this year because I only had one vex. And um, I even got an exemption at that point and they wouldn't take my exemption. And I even offered to get, I offered to get tested every day and it was only a three week job. And I said, I'll get tested every morning. I'll show you my exemption. I'll show you my vax card that shows I tried and it's only three weeks and on top of it it's january all the vaccinated people are getting omicron so it's not even like there's a huge thing reason to be vaccinated and they were like no and so it was that losing that second job and just being outcast and nobody listening to me that i was like okay i have to make this movie and yeah and so well, it's I a did. level of discrimination that most people regardless of race or or religion in our day and age hadn't experienced yes. right and then all of a sudden here it is again and it harkens back to darker days in our history when yeah. uh, people were treated uh, as outcasts uh, for yeah. whatever reason right so yeah it, it, it it's really interesting because when I look back on it myself I look back on what happened over the last couple of years it is hard to believe it happened like you look back on it, it's like, was the is this like a two year dream? What happened back then? Because it it's it, I look back at at pictures, uh, you know, at the anti or the uh, yeah the anti mandate rally and things like that. It seems surreal. Yeah. But for someone like yourself who is living in what you know many would consider one of the most hot areas when it comes to COVID, you know, New York, L.A., uh, places like that where it was. Um, where you were really on the outs if you weren't, uh, you know, fully vaccinated and uh, following, you know, the the mandates and the narrative and all that kind of stuff. I don't even know what it would have been like. It, I will say that Utah was interesting in that way. It was, it was a lot more divided, more of a 50-50 type of a situation here. Uh, and, and I don't even know what it had been like for you. But when we met, uh, back to the uh, the time that we met, we were in a hotel across from each other. I was in this room interviewing people for Dearly Discarded. You were in this room interviewing people for Anecdotals. Neither one of us knew what the other one was really doing at first. Yeah. And it was really funny because the first thing I noticed is that someone who I had just interviewed was going into your room. <laughs> we were the press bucket. <laughs> to, <laughs> to get interviewed. And I was like, this is interesting. I got to know yeah. who this person is. Um, and I had actually heard that somebody was making a film while I was down there, but I didn't know who that somebody was. And uh, we were doing that, the, uh, and we were interviewing, of course, vaccine-injured people to get their stories out there. And that was the uh, beginnings, as, as you discussed earlier, of this podcast and of your movie. Now, a movie is a tremendous undertaking compared to recording a show for a podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, this takes me the amount of time that it takes to record and an hour or so of editing, and it's up. 
you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, what? First off, let's just start with your motivation. Why did this movie have to be made, in your opinion? Um, this movie had to be made because there were too many people who didn't see what was going on, and especially on, and I'm going to say left and right, because we really don't have good terms to describe each other. And I don't want to make it political, and I don't want to make it but I don't know how else to say it. Anti-vax, pro-vax, left, right. Like it's there, that doesn't really, those are all bad, big words, but I'm just going to say, cause it's easier. I think we all know what we mean when I say there were people on the left who were like, oh, I've never heard of anybody having an injury. And still in January, I've never, so many people, I would tell them that I had an injury and because I didn't look bad, they weren't, they were a little empathetic. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, that's really rare. That's what they'd say. I'm sorry, but yeah, that's really rare. And then they're like, I've never known anybody else who's had an injury. And I just kept hearing that. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I know five people who had injuries, like in my circle, in my, like my cousin, one of my best friends, somebody I play, you know, I, in my, I play volleyball with, like, it's just, so I'm like, how do you not know anybody who's had an injury? And then I started realizing how it, things were being censored and how the mainstream media was not showing any of that and how people with injuries weren't allowed to talk. And I started realizing these people legitimately have never seen anybody with an injury and they really don't think there are injuries. And then I'm a filmmaker and I was fighting it. I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to make this movie because I had just finished making my last movie um, and I was still recovering from that one. And I also am still now currently um, promoting that one. It just got released on Amazon. It's called Una Great Movie. <laughs> but um, but I, I should be promoting Una Great Movie on Amazon. And it's a comedy and it's fiction and it's what I do. And I didn't want to honestly muddy Una Great Movie with the vaccine de debate. I'm like, it's you know, like, very, very different things. <laughs> they're very different movies, yeah. you know, and it's just and that's my career as a filmmaker. And if I start getting entrenched in this, it could really affect my career. It could, you know, affect my image. It can affect the movie I just spent six years making that I finally have on Amazon. And now I'm going to, you know, so I was I was kind of determined not to. But the world brought me to make this movie. Honestly, the world brought me to make this movie. It was like, um enough things kept happening. I lost the job. Enough people were like, you can't, there's no such thing as vaccine injured people. It's really rare. I was like, no, I have to tell people this story. I'm a filmmaker. I'm a good filmmaker. Um, I'm responsible for this. I've, I'm a big believer that artists have a responsibility to, um, to create art and art is a reflection of the world. And the reflection of my world right now is so crazy. And I'm an artist. It is my responsibility. And I'm in a really unique situation where I've been vaccine injured and people don't know, I was like, it's my responsibility, um, my responsibility. So I took it and I just decided I can't put too much money into it. So, you know, I, I'm going to do what I can. Um, and so I actually just started with the Senate hearing because there's like seven hours of footage, you know, and um, I broke it down and was like how kind of crafted it around that and then picked some interviews. And I was like, I, I reached out and tried to get money. I got enough money to like support me doing four in-person interviews. Um, so I was like, I'll do four in-person interviews. I'll do Senate, you know, I'll do research. And that was kind of how it all started. And um, then I was doing them at the rally, but a lot of things came into place. Like even the money I got to do the four interviews was like really easy to get in the end. Like it was like, someone was like, yes, I'll help you here, do this. You should do this. And I'm like, okay, I should do this. And then, you know, and I went to the rally and it, everybody was so great. And that became a really easy place to like get more interviews because I could, people just came to the hotel room. So that was really awesome. It just became easy. Like the movie guided me. And then a month into making it, I got a call um, 
from a, an organization, I'm going to get their name wrong, but it's the Health National Health Congress, in, and it was in Minneapolis. They were having a Congress, and they wanted to screen my movie. They heard I was making it. And I had only started making it a month ago. And they're like, it will be September 23rd. And I was like, and this was probably like April or March, April, April. And I was like, yeah, I think I could be done by September 23rd. Okay, I'll do it. And I committed to screen the movie. So I'm like, okay, now I got to get this done. <laughs> yeah, but things fall into place. Well, that's awesome it, because it really is. I mean, this type of a, of a project for you has to be a labor of love. You're not going to put this up on Amazon and make money on it, right? Yeah. Uh, and so it's it. The reason for the film is the need for the film, not the uh, you know any kind of financial gain or whatever else. So in in the process of making the film, did you learn more about uh, vaccine injury uh, than you already knew? What what uh, what did you learn from doing the film and, and interviewing all of these people and and uh, screening all that footage that you finally put in the documentary? Okay, so this is maybe not the answer you want, but honestly, the, the biggest thing I learned from doing this film was that I don't have to hate Trump supporters. <laughs> <laughs> but I, and I say, and I put it like that, but that is a huge thing to learn because you're coming from a place where the right hates the left, the left hates the right, you're this, we're that, and you have this knee-jerk reaction. And I found myself, especially at the mandate rally, oh, and I say Trump supporters, right? We're just you know, but I found myself around people who were totally politically different than me, who were so used to hating each other and fighting and they're on my side and they're the only, and they believe and understand more than the people who I come from. Then like, you know, they understand. And I started to really have to put in check my own personal prejudices against extreme right-wing people like you know and i and i started to put in check and i started to put in check what i was fed by the media and i started to question everything that i thought i knew beforehand and i realized hey i've been falling into the prey of the media as everybody has and of this division and there shouldn't be this division and just because you are super right-wing or you voted for trump doesn't mean anything you're still a good person i can still like you we can have different opinions on different uh, we don't have to agree on every issue and you can still be a good person. And that was a that was a big thing that it's a big thing to swallow, I think, for all of us, because we're in a very and like whatever side you're on, if you hate liberals or if you are, you know, doing all this, like I think we all need to stop and put ourselves in check and be like, you know what, we can actually all really like each other and it's okay to disagree. And I started to just see how that I that just dissolves away. And that was my biggest actually thing I learned was just this journey of of feeling like, okay, we're all one and I don't have to hate each other. And I would even interview people for the documentary. And then I would go to their Facebook page to kind of like start, you know, I wanted to make sure that everybody was credible. And so I dig on these people and I'd realize they'd be at rallies that were like so against my fundamental beliefs politically. And I'm like, oh wait, I have this person in my movie. <laughs> and then I'm like, but then I was like, so what? Well, what does that have to do with my movie? Why, they, why can't they believe in that? Why would I take them out of my movie because they have different views because they're, you know, protesting something that I'm really, you know, like, why? So, and that was just a really, and I'm like, no, they were all humans. And it was, so that was a great thing to learn and a growth, I think is always really interesting when you as a human grow and open and change and evolve. And I evolved in terms of understanding that we're humans and stopping divisiveness and, and um, 
that was my biggest learning what I learned. All right. That's interesting because, you know, <laughs> what I find, well, first off, for what it's worth, you seem to be okay with me. And I think Biden and Trump are both lunatics. So there you go. Yeah. That's where I'm at on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, our mutual friend, Brianne Dressen, uh, she, uh, when we very first started talking about this, um, this podcast, uh, she said, yeah, the hashtag team humanity. And I've seen that pop up on all kinds of React 19 posts and things like that. And that, I think, is one of the – there's always a silver lining to every – or at least the potential for it to every tragedy or every you know miscarriage of justice or whatever you want to call it. And what I have learned as someone who was not vaccinated and therefore not injured – and who definitely came at it from a different angle than most people that chose to get vaccinated, is that on both sides of whatever aisle you want to say, because what I think is interesting, you know, you say left, right, conservative, liberal, whatever. COVID was a little bit different, right? Because it was really, it was masked, anti-masked. It was vaxxed, anti-vaxxed, right? And it wasn't necessarily along political lines. There were certainly, I would say, more people on the left that were in the pro-vax and pro-mask community and that kind of thing, but not exclusively. And and that itself uh, probably woke up a lot of people to kind of what other people were thinking on the other side uh, when it comes to that. So, but what I've learned is that people who were injured regardless of their political persuasion prior to the injury, are still people. They're still my brother and my sister and people that I should, as a fellow human being, care for. And when I first started meeting vaccine-injured people, one of the things that I kept hearing over and over again was how they were getting hit from both sides. People who were vaccinated saying, you need to shut up. You're going to cause vaccine hesitation. People who weren't vaccinated saying, why were you so stupid in the first place to get this thing? Right. Yeah. And that really stung. That stung me as a human being to hear that people who believed like I did that didn't take the shot would ever treat somebody like you as some sort of a second class citizen because you were too stupid to figure yeah. it out for yourself. The yeah. brutal realities of COVID-19 and the fear and everything else that happened, I think all of it needs to be exposed. And I love what you're doing with this movie because I do think it's a unique way of depicting um, the – the what's the word I'm looking for? the way that people end up having to live post-vaccine injury. So let's talk a little bit about why you made the film the way that you did, what you were trying to achieve by making the film besides just saying, hey, these stories need to be heard. Why did you choose to do it in the way that you did it? Okay, so I wanted to obviously enlighten the world to vaccine injuries, but I also knew that very few people would have a tolerance to just sit and watch a documentary for an hour or an hour and a half, um, an hour and 20 minutes is what this ended up being. Just listening to people's vaccine injury stories. Like, I think that your podcast is like the perfect platform for that. You know, one at a time, take a break. Here comes somebody else, take a break. But like, but I knew, and somebody, and I thought about doing shorter bits of content, but like that wasn't interesting to me. I'm a filmmaker. I like to tell a story. I like kind of a beginning, middle, end. I like to take you on a journey. I don't do short things. I mean, I could, but like, I was just like, how can I make this? So I was like, how can I make this interesting? How can I compel people? Especially because I wanted to compel people who were very, who were skeptical. So I know I can get 
the people who are on the side of understanding not to get vaccinated. I know I can get them to watch it, but can I get the skeptics to watch it? Um, how do I do that? And I just knew right away as a filmmaker, I was like, this has to be personal and I have to tell my story. Um, which actually makes me even more nervous. I mean, made me even, cause my face is in the movie. I'm bringing you on my journey. So there's no hiding <laughs> for me. So I'm definitely out there, you know? And it's like, so I was like, but it has to be personal. It has to be my story. And so when I sat and thought about my personal story with this, a big part of my story, and it's funny because you asked me, you know, what did I learn the most? And I go straight to like the political, spiritual evolution. Um, so when I asked myself that as a filmmaker, originally I'm like, oh, my vaccine injury, the vaccine injury people I've met, the Facebook groups are heartbreaking. The things people post, I wish I could share them. They chill you. Like someone's just like, today, you know, how am I gonna go on? I don't know how I'm gonna do it. Once again, it's this, my life has been ruined forever. And you know, like people sometimes just have breakdowns and people don't know what's going on. So I was like, there's an injury, but I was like, my real journey is just, how bad things are politically in the division and my real journey was like my evolution and opening my eyes and i'm like if i could bring people on that evolution with me then i could also maybe help change open other people's eyes and make other people think so it became really quickly i'm telling my story my story is the story of a vaccine injury it's also the story of a of a evolution of ideology and a personal growth so i so that's how i do it i so i talk about injury but i also talk a little bit about the politics and the division um, and then, yeah. And so that was my way of doing it. Um, I wasn't sure when I started, if it would, I was, I mean, I said from the beginning, I don't know if I can do this. This is a tall order. Like, and I remember you said to me at the mandate rally, I was like, cause I was just like, I don't know, like a, an hour, an hour and a half is a long. I don't know if I can make this interesting, but I'm going to try. And I remember you were like one of the people you had seen the three minute trailer. I showed you the three minute trailer that I had made to raise money. And you were like, oh, it's going to be great. And it's just, it's always funny when people are, and you were like, if it's anything like the trailer that I saw, like just your tone and your approach, it's going to be great. And you were so, and I remember, and as a filmmaker, when people are so sure about you, it's always just funny. Cause I'm like, I wish I could believe that, you know, what does he know? How does he know it's going to be great? But it gives you, I'm like, well, he thinks it's going to be great. <laughs> um, That's it, one person. <laughs> There were a few people, though, that were like, oh, it's going to be great. And I'm like, well, yeah. you don't really know that because it could be really boring and it could be. But but no, I mean, if I, I absorb that and I take it and it ended up being pretty great. Like we're getting really good responses and um, we're getting really, really good responses. So and the, the biggest response I get is that it's personal. It's something that they haven't seen because it's personal, because I'm telling my story. And that's what separates it from just a reportive piece on vaccine injury. And I think that does really separate it and set it apart because there are plenty of people, again, on th that are, I guess, more like me that have been sort of raising the uh, caution flag from two years ago, three years ago, saying, hey, wait a minute, let's slow this thing down. Uh, maybe we don't need to do this. And we've been talking that talk. I think it's super poignant when someone who's actually experienced it and lived through the process of injury and recovery like you have uh, gets to tell the story. It is different and it's far more personal. And I think that's really important because as I've done these interviews, what I've recognized is that it's always personal, right? This is an individual whose life has been changed in sometimes a really dramatic way, sometimes a less dramatic way, but no doubt it's a big change for anybody who's experienced these injuries. 
And it's a very, very personal uh, thing. And so for you to be the person behind this, um, not someone like me who hasn't lived the experience, I think is really, really powerful. I uh, Full disclosure, I've seen, I saw your initial rough cut of the movie. Of course, I saw the trailer. And I've seen about the first 20 minutes of this final cut of the movie. And it, I haven't even seen the entire thing yet. I'm already in love. And part of it is because I know quite a few of the people in the movie and I love those people already. Uh, so that makes it easy, but it's really, really well done. In fact, you, you posted something completely unrelated on Facebook the other day about the movie. You were just saying, Una, great movie. And people were just raving about it, saying how great it is. And I'm like, well, I don't know about this movie. How do I watch this movie? <laughs> so you sent me the link. So I got to watch that one too. No, now um, you got two movies to watch. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll have a, a Jennifer Sharp movie night at, uh, at my place. But I'm I'm grateful to you putting this out, and I wanted to tell this story. Uh, you know, we've talked about you being on this show since way back in April, uh, but I wanted to wait until the time was right and the movie's out. Uh, let's talk about the challenge of getting a movie like this um, into the public view. Yeah, so it's a really interesting as a filmmaker to make a movie that from the beginning you know nobody will buy. Um, it's just obvious. No streaming platforms will touch it. Amazon, Netflix, like none of nobody wants to buy a movie like this. Everybody stays away. If anybody knows the story of the Robert De Niro, Tribeca Film Festival and Vax, but people in the industry know that like Vax, however, 15, 10 years ago, whenever was accepted into Tribeca Film Festival. And then it was it was um, boycotted so badly that they pulled it from the festival like the night before. Um, and so no festival wants to go through that again. No one, no one wants to like risk that. So I'm not getting into festivals. I'm not like, I'm not even going to delude myself. So what do I do? Um, luckily we have streaming, you know, we have streaming stuff we can put it on. Right. So there's YouTube, which is like the, you know, so, and then the, the question becomes, do we put it, where do we put it? And, we're, and I'm not going to sell it, but I could make money with ads. I could get 2 million views, put advertisements on it and make some good money. Um, but I don't want to break up this movie with ads. Like, I just think I might lose people during the commercials. You know, it is a really heavy movie. It's some people can go out, sit all the way through it. And some people are going to need breaks or need reasons to step away. Um, and some people aren't going to want to watch it to begin with, but someone's, someone's going to have said, Hey, watch this movie. So they're going to do it. And in the first commercial break, you know, I was like, we decided we didn't want ads, which is a big decision. Cause I've honestly, as a filmmaker, I've never made money from my films and I dream that I will like, you know, make little, it's hard, you know? And I'm like, this is actually a movie I could make money from because so many, like we've already gotten in three days, probably 10, like in two days, like 10,000 views. And that includes with it being taken down from YouTube the first day. So we lost, you know, so, uh, I, you know, just thinking about putting commercials in if I get paid for every commercial, but it, it, we had to have the discussion. I had to say, am I crazy? Am I not taking myself seriously as a filmmaker by not thinking of making money? Um, but no, the reason I made it is I want people to see it and I want skeptical people to see it. So those people definitely aren't going to pay for to rent it or ads. So we decided to put it for free. Um, we put it for free on YouTube. We started on YouTube. Um, and then we knew it would get taken down and it basically within a day they took it down, which is so sad because I had like, we had like 5,000 views on YouTube and like 70 comments. And the comments were just these beautiful stories of other vaccine injured people sharing their stories in the comments and saying, thank you for letting me see myself on the film. I've never seen my story told this. I feel so well represented. And then just 
like heart-wrenchingly their whole story and then at the end this one person this one guy at the end said and i've never reported my injury like he did this whole thing he's like i've never reported my injury there's so many people who've never so it was actually becoming a really nice community on youtube to like for people to like have catharsis and talk and thank me for the movie and make me realize what a good thing it's doing and then youtube took it down um so then i have it on my website but the website is only linked to like it was linked to youtube now I have my website linked to Vimeo. Vimeo will probably take it down. And it's really sad, but like, we're actually, we're going to the mainstream ones first and we're gonna let them take us down. Like we're not, we, you know, not straight to Rumble. So there's Rumble and Odyssey, which are like the two that supposedly don't censor. So that's a no brainer to go there. But like, nobody's heard of Rumble and Odyssey, honestly, like on the left side. Like, so, you know, so, and I'm trying to like make it more available to the, to, so, we're, we're trying the more mainstream stuff first, but it's a shame because we're going to end up being pushed into Rumble. And I appreciate Rumble and Odyssey for what they're doing. And I hope they become more mainstream. Um, and I hope with that, they become more technically efficient because they also have worse, the worst quality of showing the movie. <laughs> so they have a know. lot less money behind them than YouTube does, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah. it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Yeah. So, so the, the censorship thing, I mean, I think at this point, most of the people listening to dearly discarded podcasts are already pretty aware of what's going on with censorship and all that. Um, but whether you're aware of it or not, the key at, is to understand that because of the censorship, it behooves us as people who care about this topic to be the ones that get it in front of people's eyes. So yes. I'll speak now directly to you listening to this show and say, if this conversation and once you watch this movie, because if you listen to the show and you don't watch this movie, you're crazy. It's an amazing <laughs> movie. You've got to watch it. But once you've watched the movie, don't stop there. Uh, show it to friends and family. Um, have a Gin Sharp movie night at your place. Heck, do a double feature. Start with the heavy one. <laughs> do anecdotals. And then say, now we have this comedy we can watch. Uh, and, and we'll do them in a, in a double header. Uh, you know, show it to people. Uh, share it with people. Talk about it on social media. Uh, get the word out there because we there are enough of us that if we all open our mouths uh this type of a movie can move forward regardless of the censorship and millions of eyes can see it but it requires that we uh do our job and do our part uh as concerned citizens of the of the human world uh, to get this information out there. So please, if you're listening to this and if you're understanding the gravity of it, uh, share the movie with everybody that you know and know that this movie is one that might actually be accepted by people who don't necessarily believe all the stuff you're posting on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> when exactly. it comes to vaccines, exactly. right? Exactly, yeah. If there's people in your life that you have argued with, if you have family members or friends that don't get it and you, it's kind of, you know, those are the people that you say, hey, just watch this movie. It'll help you kind of see it. You know, I made it very, I made it very easily, easy to digest for everybody. I'm not blaming people. I'm not angry. I'm not, you know, it's just like, I'm just asking questions and you can't deny that. So yeah, so share it also with the skeptics in your life. Yes, absolutely. Because yeah. really, that's what we need is we need to make the community uh, bigger uh, that is accepting that, hey, there are injuries. 
safe and effective isn't what we were told it was and all of that type of thing. And uh, it, it, it is difficult because we have been, with all the division that you just talked about, Jen, we have been shoved into our own echo chambers in major ways, right? Yes. I mean, I don't even know if, you know, pro- and, and actually I'll ask you this question. Did you realize how adamant the other side was in terms of, hey, no way I'm putting that thing in my body until you started, until you became injured yourself and started to talk to people on that side of things? Yeah, I, I, I knew it. I had one... Not really. I always thought it was more political, actually. So I thought the people who were like, no way I'm putting that in my body, like it had to do with like, you know, more like political rights, which it does on a certain level, but also like they didn't like Biden at that point. I think if Trump, you know, I just felt like it was more like, oh, they're taking that stance because Biden's the one pushing it. Just like if Trump had been pushing it, the other side would have taken that stance. Um, But what I realized, though, actually, is that what I didn't know is just the health and science behind it, behind the, the anti-vax movement. Um, that is actually very, um, it's rooted in a lot of science and health and thoughtfulness, and it's not irrational and there's a lot of valid validity. And I I learned the validity of it, you know, that it's not just a political thing. And that's, and it really does make sense. There's a, a lot of things about vaccinations. Like I always, the whole childhood vaccination thing, um, one of the things about not having children, like that I literally thought was like, well, I guess I never have to cross that bridge of like, if I'll vaccinate my kids or not. Cause I did understand, I did, I did always th- know that that was a really complicated issue. So, and it's a, it's a complicated issue and it's just, it's really, really hard. Yeah. Um, well, it's like everything that has been politicized. There's way more nuance than anybody yes. wants you to believe. Uh, and so, you know, it's this whole hard right, hard left thing. I really believe that there are not that many people that are extreme on either side of the aisle, but we hear about those people constantly in the media, the extreme sides. There's a whole bunch of us that are in the middle that really aren't as far apart as they'd like us to believe. So, and I, and I do think it's a, it is one of the silver linings of COVID. A whole lot of people are waking up to that on both sides of things and starting to embrace their fellow man that maybe voted differently than they voted. Right. (laughs) So I, and I, that is, For me, going through this and seeing this and doing shows about it for the last couple of years and receiving letters saying that I was complicit in the death of thousands because of my stance on the COVID vaccine and all this stuff, having lived through that process and seeing what's happened, I have to keep looking at, okay, what are the silver linings of this? What can we learn from this? How do we move forward from this? And I do believe that it is uh, endeavors like yours with Anecdotals, the movie, that will help us to get there and help more and more of us to, I think, break down some of the walls that stand between us. I think that's really, really critical because this same thing is going to happen again or something similar if we don't do something about it and make some changes in how we see the world. Yeah, exactly. All right. So we've gone 45 minutes. I could talk to you until tomorrow. Uh, What else do you think people need to understand either about the movie, about vaccine injury? What else do you want to share before we end this up? Okay. So I just, just to summarize, like the, you know, the big points is first of all, just be clear, the movie can be seen on the website, www.anecdotalsmovie.com. It's also will probably permanently be able to be seen on Odyssey platform and on Rumble. Um, so those are kind of, those are the places that, that you can see it. So that's very clear and just share it. And just, um, 
I don't like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like we covered it. I feel good. Like just it's, this is a movie that I made from my heart. Like I said, I'm putting it out with no ads, with no, um, with no nothing, but just to share it. If you love it, if you see it and love it, there are donation buttons. So you could buy the movie, you know, buy a $10 movie ticket if you, if you thought it was worth it and put a little $10 click in, but, um, but more than anything, watch it, share it. This is really serious. And it's actually on the censorship. We understand. I have a whole section in the movie called censorship. It's section eight. Um, it's so I understand censorship well. And when YouTube took this movie down, it was shocking, even though I knew it was going to happen. And I, I wrote, you know, I know about it. It hurts because it's like, this is actually wrong, really wrong. It's criminal. It's wrong. It's, it's not a free society. And when my when this movie is taken off of YouTube for metaphor, medical misinformation, and, and you can right now go to YouTube and you can see Dr. Fauci saying, and Dr. Walensky and Rachel Maddow all saying, if you get the shot, you will not get COVID. Like they said that early on, if you get vaccinated, you will not get COVID. They said that those clips are still on YouTube. They are absolutely medical misinformation and they are still on YouTube. And you can go and hear all kinds of stuff from the government side, giving medical misinformation. <clears throat> and there's some stuff that's gray areas. Is it true? Is it not? We don't know, but there are certain things we know are not true. It's, you know, and they are saying those things that you will not get, you know, and you're, and, th and that stuff is still on YouTube. They didn't take that down for medical misinformation, but they took my personal journey of vaccine injury down for medical misinformation. Like as much as I know, we all think we understand that. I hope that you guys just take an extra minute to digest that and realize how wrong this is. And I'm actually thinking, you know, that I really, you know, I'm really going towards the, like, let's fight this and like, let's not accept this. And like you said, let's become our own platforms. Let's share it. Let's push it until the mainstream has to see it. This is a movie that the mainstream can digest though. This could be the movie that breaks the misinformation censorship. If enough people get mad that this movie was censored and then we can get on enough news shows that like, this is the movie that was censored. And then people on the left will be like, this is what I'm not allowed to see. And then people will really start understanding. So I would just say, start getting angry. We're already angry, but like angry in a way to do action as to fight this censorship. And this movie is actually a really good way to, to, to voice that. Uh, you, I couldn't, I can't even add to that. I, I completely agree. And I think you nailed it. Um, we've got to do our part. We absolutely have to do our part. And this is one really good and easy way to do it. It's not hard to share a link to a movie and with a, a few words about how important it is that uh, people watch it. And it's not hard to um, ask people to watch it with you. So I would highly recommend anecdotals. I want to make sure that, that it is clear to in the description of the podcast, we will have links to the website. Uh, we'll have uh, all the key information that you need. And remember, it is anecdotals with an S, which I believe is a new word uh, for this movie. Uh, and so it's anecdotalsmovie.com. And so if you're driving down the road uh, and you're not looking at the show description, anecdotalsmovies.com, movie, geez, one S, anecdotalsmovie.com is where you want to go. But it will be in the show description and uh, we'll continue to update you on uh, – uh, anything else that comes of this movie, but it behooves all of us to do our part and share this thing far and wide. Jen, 
thank you so much for your friendship, but more than anything for your the labor that you've put into this thing over the last however many months. We already have decided that I can't do math. Um, and for, for what you have accomplished with this movie, I'm excited to see what else you've done because I recognize that I think you know what you're doing when it comes to filmmaking. I think so, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. that's one thing. I know what I'm doing. Now, thank you. <laughs> thank you for uh, for doing the podcast, too. It's like, it's nice to have partners. And and I feel like you're a partner in this battle. And I also feel like every single person who watches your podcast is a partner in this battle. And it just makes me feel like we're, we got this. So thank you. Well, nobody's making money sharing these stories, right? And 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 yet we do it because it needs to be done, and that that in and of itself, I think, speaks volumes. And so we we have to we we have to take some time. We can't just go on and live our lives like nothing happened. So, thank you so much, Jen, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Dearly Discarded podcast share this podcast far and wide share anecdotalsmovie.com far and wide and we will all make this world a better and freer place yes, thanks for thank joining you. us you've been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.